Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots, Hello to all my people, if you're watching live, taking a side on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Bosch Boss and Share Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, and if not, we'll sprinkle in a new network, and a couple new shows. You know, so we still get over. I'm your host, Chef by Trade and Mark by Choice. I am the Will Gray, and I'm glad to be here on this journey, and tonight, that journey is... Excuse me, ma'am. Can I speak to your manager, please? <laughs> Joining me tonight is the Yellow Shoe Guy, and he comes with his own disclaimer, and that is the opinions of the Yellow Shoe Guy are his and his alone and do not reflect those of Botch Pots and Chair Shots or the Rivet City Radio Podcast Network. Bobby, how are you? Oh, my God. I could not be any better. The news just broke on Twitter. I have been bought. I have been sold to Saudi Arabia for the grand total of $3 and a co-host to be named in the future. I'm so excited. I'm learning the language. I'm scribbling. I'm drawing. I am I am pumped. I'm really excited for you, Bobby. I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad for that. I feel like I went for the highest bid. I put it to market. NBC <laughs> Universal was in the mix. Disney was in the mix. Um, I just feel like, you know, this was the uh, the direction that I felt like the brand needed to go. So I hope you, uh, you you're you're ready to roll, Bobby Mac. I hope you're good to go. I am, and Bama's already saying that uh, they overpaid. They did overpay, but absolutely. I, and joining us, perched upon her iron throne in the boss bitch's corner, she is the Hova to my Beyonce. She's the Bonnie to my Clyde. She is the boss bitch, Miss Allison Siegel. Allison, how are you? I'm great. Excellent. Well, we have a. Uh, I, I said it. I said we were going to have a new coat of paint. And by golly, I wasn't wrong. So, guys. Um, well, I think that we should start tonight, um, with the same question I always ask you, really. Bobby, why has you pissed off for greatness tonight in the world of professional wrestling? Man, I, I hate that people can't say their opinions on, um, some social media networks and they just get banned instantly. Like, uh, you know, I, one, I don't, I don't like being bullied so I, I am all for people not bullying other people on uh, other social medias. So I, I do appreciate that, uh, you know, the talk is looking out for me. Um, but at the same time, dude, the talk has got to, uh, I don't know, put on a pair of pants and not be not be just so, like, wimpy about this. Like, come on, man. I, uh, I'm angry with you <laughs> for whatever you did last night because I was just, we were just cruising. We were an hour into a conversation. We're doing one of our TikTok lives. We're chatting about everything, Vince McMahon and everything that's going on, getting ready for tonight, hyping this show up. And bam, I get hit for a rules and guidelines violation for, uh, you know, bullying. So thanks for that. I blame you for that. That's your fault. But I taught you well. I you, taught you well. You did teach me well. Wrestle talk definitely. Uh, you have to get your first one. Like you have to get your first one. So I got it out of the way. I'll be back Friday night. Everything is good. So Allison, what has you pissed off for greatness tonight in the world of professional wrestling? So I have decided that what has me pissed off is 
whatever this crap they're doing to the street profits is. Like, I feel like they can go their separate ways without making it, like, some weird, hateful situation. I don't know. It's just bizarre to me. Like, they're gradually making Montez look like he doesn't give a shit. And it's weird and awkward. And I don't really like it. I would say go back to 1991 and watch Marty and Sean. Because they're setting up the same story. They're setting up the same story. Something about a barbershop window? <laughs> yeah, where Marty tried to he tried to run away from Sean and dove through uh, the glass. He was so scared of what was happening that he just had to get away from Sean. He just had to get out. Very true. But how long did that take? Like, how long of a period did they build up, like, them turning on each other? I feel like this has been going on for months. It was about, I think it was about three months. It was, it was about a quarter. Well, they have to build the story. If they didn't build a story, then the IWC would, you know, piss the bed and be angry. And, oh, no, they didn't tell us a story. But now they're like, I don't like it. So, I mean, I see it coming. Montez is a bona fide star. Not right. to say that Dawkins isn't. But is you think Montez will be the Sean? Montez is 100% a Sean, but not to say Angelo Dawkins is Marty Jannetty, though. That's my point. That's the most important thing I'm saying. Um, he's going to super kick him into a huge solo cup and then fill it with cement. <laughs> <laughs> Book it. Book well, it. That's, that's what a lot say. of angles right there. Okay. Well, I'm going to go. Okay. And I'm just going to say my piece. And then I'm going to leave it alone and I won't bring it up again. I may be young in the world of journalism. I may have gotten my degree 13 years ago. And it may be for a fucking concentration that doesn't even exist anymore because I'm that old. Okay. One thing stands true. And I'm quoting CM Punk here. If you fancy yourself a journalism, even in the silly world of professional wrestling here. Okay. Have some fucking integrity. They teach you day one of journalism, journalism school. Seek the truth and report it. Take responsibility for your work and its accuracy, which is the most important thing. Verify information before reporting. I looked up textbooks from when I was in school just to verify that I still remembered all this stuff the way it should be. Although reporting news is a race, remember that speed nor format excuses inaccuracies, okay? So what happened two nights ago when a few hotheads on Twitter started a wildfire and then hid behind their sources and the rumors that they started, that they reported, and then all they did was just say we were speculating. This doesn't take away from the fact that these guys fucking knew better. If you didn't, if you weren't 100% sure what was going on, don't report it. It's simple as that. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. You said a bad word. I said a few bad words. There's an E. I do. Uh, I did. I made sure that we clicked the E. Partially for you, Bobby, because I didn't really me. know what we're going to say. Um, it so wasn't on me. That was the three of us, so we're going to send it up to the Boss Bitches Corner for news and rumors. So, uh, Miss Siegel, let's get to it. What you got tonight? Um, I only have a few because I figured we'd spend most of the time focusing on Vince and the sale or the not sale and that whole crazy debacle. That's the only word I can call it right now. Um, so the first thing, um, in a not surprise course of events, 
The Elite win the trios title. Are we shocked? Absolutely not. Or is this as predictable as Cody winning the TNT title originally? This is... You know, I'm shocked when I see people on any social media. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is the way you do a series and blah, blah, blah. This was the most predictable end of this series um, ever. Like, this was the most predictable best of seven. It's one of the worst best of seven because... No matter if you like one of the matches or not, you knew the, you knew what the outcome was going to be. The story wasn't there. Um, I'm not even going old school and talking about Magnum and Tully, or I'm sorry, Magnum and uh, Nikita. You know, you can look at Benoit and Booker T. They had a much better best of seven. It wasn't every single week in your face. Um, Kenny Omega, This I think this past two weeks, Kenny Omega has just proved exactly what a scumbag he is. And how much, if people want to say, and here's my first mention of him, Paul Kogan, it ain't good for me, brother. Kenny Omega, bro, he's bringing it to a whole new level. Um, I think that it was way more predictable than Cody Rhodes winning the TNT title. Um, I'm still panicking at all these new production things I have to do. I added all these bells and whistles and then didn't do a dry run on how to do any of them. So now I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, can I keep up with it all? I'm fine. I got this, guys. Um, I think Marie it was super... Liking pre- take. Do what? Marie is liking my take. Marie Shadows is liking my take. Marie and Bobby. I like Marie and Bobby. I think you guys are... That's such a like a random duo. It's like yin and yang if it was like turned up to 11. So it's the perfect wrestling analogy because you and Marie on paper shouldn't like each other at all. <laughs> y'all are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And for some reason, y'all are so cool. I love that. Um, back to the topic at hand, which are the trios titles. I feel like it was far more predictable this go around than the TNT title was with Cody. I feel like, however, that the six men in this match... And I'm going to take a big gulp of humble pie and accept for what I'm about to say because I can't believe what I'm going to do with my words right now. And that is Kenny Omega and the Young Bugs showed us in these seven matches that they can carry a program and tell a consistent story. Only if the consistent story is putting themselves over. And the only way the other guys can win is by cheating. I'm not fired. I don't even know if Ritter's still here or not. You can't you can't fire me on the first day. But I still I mean you have to give me this. One, Kenny Omega looked like a bona fide fucking rock star with that IWGP title. Like he looked like a rock star. I mean he's on the belt. No, not Dude. the trios title, the IWGP title. Oh. Like, David David Hasselhoff is a rock star. So you gotta qualify the the what what kind of rock star? Is he is he Mick Jagger or is he Hasselhoff? Thanks, Katie. You can always get fired on your first day. <laughs> I you think, can get fired on your day off. How'd you get fired on your day off? Ask Mandy Rose. Ask me oh that's see that's topical humor there. I like that. Um And the research continues. Yeah, you know, word. research. Uh, I'll give Will props for that opinion. They know new, how to new, new, new network. Yeah, yeah, new network, new budget, new budget. Don't forget, Allison. You gotta send me that. You gotta send me that budget money so I can keep doing this uh, research. Do research on this budget money? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think, think so. That's not gonna make it. That's, that that doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, nice, I don't deny that 
Kenny Omega is a talented wrestler. It still doesn't make me like him for other reasons. But alas. I'll give him his roses. It was a good match. Yada yada. Still can't stand. Do you watch the Osprey match though? Yes. Right? You liked the Osprey match. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. See? Again, I don't deny his skills. But that's his skills have nothing to do with my like or dislike of him. Fair enough. I, I, I won't ask. We won't have to dive into that tonight. We've got an episode coming up in February for the uh, the dark side of botch spots. So that might be <laughs> that might be a good night for that conversation. Uh, what's next on your list, Miss Siegel? Um, let's see. Mickey James and Jordan Grace, title versus career, hard to kill. Bobby, have you ever watched a Jordan? Have you ever watched Jordan Grace wrestle? Um, no, I've never lost a bet that big. I have watched Mickey James though many a time. Uh, Katie says she's like me with Charlotte. Like I will never deny her ability, just not a fan. I, I respect that. That's a good take, Katie. I can see that with the way Allison is with Kenny. Um, no will they prove they can put on a seven consecutive car crashes where the rules don't matter, the moves don't matter, and the EVPs flaunt their power because they lost the titles due to suspension. Um, what is going on with the chat tonight, man? They're all going against the bully, the Will Gray, and siding <laughs> with the yellow shoe guy. Nice. I feel all the, we, we slapped a new coat of paint on the show, and all of a sudden Bobby's the face and the Will Gray is the heel? Hold on a second. This is great. Oh. I'm going to send you some of these uh, teas. Okay. Oh, God. There. <laughs> if I'm going to be a heel, we'll do it right. There we go. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Not only has he changed the answer, has but he Bobby wants to change the question. Jordan Grace. Bobby, have you ever seen Jordan Grace wrestle a match? No, I don't even think I've seen Jordan Grace's picture, so I'm going to pull it up right now. Oh. You're going to love what you see. She's a fantastic worker. She's a hell of an uh, ability. She's got some questionable hot takes when it comes to wrestling. Um, she said some, some not nice things. Um, oh, I like her already. Well, maybe not. Well, once again, we'll save that one for the Dark Side episode. She's built. <laughs> Jordan she Grace could bench press Bobby. She's married 100%. to Jonathan Gresham. Uh, the thing to remember about that was she had my women's match of the year in 2022 with Masha Slamovich at Bound for Glory. Uh, Who's she married to? Jonathan Gresham, the former Ring of Honor champion. Oh, okay. She's the Impact Knocked Out Champions. Uh, career versus title. I feel like Mickey is going to give Jordan the rub. Um Bobby, calm down. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, she's going to uh, she's going to put Jordan over the way it needs to be. She'll she'll retire and impact. She'll leave. Her and Nick have some big stuff in the works in 2023. So I'm not exactly sure what that means for where she'll be landing. She was a tag team with uh, Tessa. Yeah. Okay. I would pay to see that for the comedy. Oh, that's you. I'm reading your. <laughs> Sorry. What? Uh, supposedly that match will main event the pay-per-view, too. It will. Uh, it's tomorrow night, I think, or Saturday night? Hey, Katie. Why'd you say that? Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll stay I'll stay here with Katie. Guaranteed. Uh, I don't think that'll be a problem, Bobby. Um, <laughs> so Bobby doesn't know who Jordan Grace is, and I think she might be the best woman's wrestler in wrestling right now, not named Charlotte Flair. Sorry. Is there is there a better name for a company to have a pay-per-view than hard to kill for impact wrestling because 
it's been on its deathbed for like 20 years, and they just can't kill this thing. You can't talk bad about Impact Wrestling in this house, Bobby Mack. You know Allison and I are big fans. Impact Wrestling has the best women's division in pro wrestling right now with the knockouts. No, Bobby. No. Any uh, any inside news from where you guys are on Lisa Marie Presley this evening? On what? Lisa Marie Presley. What Elvis about her? daughter. I know who that is. She was is. rushed to the hospital for a cardiac, a full cardiac arrest today. What hospital? Yeah, what hospital? I assume somewhere in Tennessee. Yeah, it's a big state. Is it? The 11th largest state in the union. Oh, then how is... What, Will, what are you? You're banned in what? Twenty three counties. I don't know what that joke is supposed to imply there, my friend. I'm not. I know Sevier County. No, they what? don't want you back in Sevier County. Oh, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed in Sevier <laughs> County. I'm not allowed in Knox County. That's for sure. You're fair. Fair enough. That's two. I don't know about the twenty five or whatever you said, but I'm definitely not allowed in those two. Bro, it's pro wrestling, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta sell it. Okay. Um. Miss Siegel, you got something else for us? Well, Bama had a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this the last rodeo for Mickey in Impact only or in complete end of career? I thought she might want to finish her career with her husband in WWE. Do you want no to tee way. off with that, Bobby? Um, or do um, you want me to? No, I, I think that uh, I think Mickey, I think Mickey's got a lot of respect for Impact, and they've done a lot for her. And unlike Ric Flair, I'm not sure that Mickey's going to go for the big payday of the WWE. Of course, she's going to go for their Hall of Fame induction. But I, I, I think if she finishes Impact and she gives them, if she gives them her word that's her last match, then it'll be her last match. Allison, what you on over there? I see what's in the chat. Did you just confirm it? Yes. Live on air right now. Read the headline for us. Wow. Lisa Marie Presley, uh, Elvis and Priscilla's only child, dead at fifty-four. So not in cardiac arrest. She is. Uh, she had. She has passed. Did Man, that just happen? Or um, it, uh, it says 44 minutes ago on people. About 30 minutes ago. Okay, so it happened right before we went on air then. Uh, so you're saying, Bobby, you heard earlier in the day she had cardiac arrest and had gotten shipped to the hospital, and we find out just now as of 30 minutes ago that she's passed. Yep, yep. That's Breaking sad. news. You hear it here first on our first night on our new network. Breaking national news. Lisa Marie Presley, the only child... Of Elvis has passed away. Mm. Not the only child of Elvis, just the only child with his first wife. No, I think it's his only child. Allison, verify that. Why do I know more about Elvis than you do? Because you're old. Because you're old. You're from Tennessee, bro. Memphis is really far. Yeah. That should be his only child. Okay, Marie. I'll believe it if it comes from Marie. There you go, Marie. Yeah, look at this. Why are you guys okay? So now the entire now Bama, Marie, Katie, now everybody's coming down because of Lisa Marie. Listen, she's rejoined her dad and Michael at the Pearly Gates. The Pearly Gates. You got anything else for us before we yeah, deep dive into the uh, the shit yeah. show? Um, Seth is injured, but not too injured for the rumble, but too injured for contact on Monday. This is the same knee he injured and needed surgery on earlier in his career. Um, anyone have anything in regards to Seth and his shaky knees? I think that this is a 
shoot that got turned into a work because you and I were there. Mm -hmm. You have the video footage. I'm going to post it on uh, the com and write it up tomorrow because I think you can see in the match footage that he obviously tweaked it or hurt it in some way. On Monday night, they turned it into the I'm not 100% tonight, but I will be by the Rumble thing. And I think they're not telling us everything. Because if you watch him work in the match and then you watch him get around, he he's walking around like his knee's not 100%. I don't think they're f telling us everything. Bobby, yeah, I think, think they're playing it up. I think, I think when that video got out, you know, they were able to play it up a lot. You know, like one, they were blaming the referee at the live event for not calling the X. Um, and I think because Seth was so animated for that, that WWE has done a good job by carrying the story on and, uh, you know, again, like you said, making it a bigger deal than what it actually is. I mean, you can see him, like, the ref after every move. You can see the ref going to him and, like, you can watch him say, are you okay? Are you okay? And, you know, when he did a frog splash on one leg, he did not put any weight on that leg for the rest of the match. And even, like, if it, like... If it was a work, like, you would think at least jumping off of that top rope, he would have attempted to use both feet. It was not done with both feet. And every time he hit that knee, you could see the physical pain in his face. Yeah, so either he did probably the best job he's ever done selling or he is legitimately hurt. Get out of here with that whole Seth Rollins doesn't sell nonsense. I'm going to get banned on TikTok for bullying you. He's one of the best workers in the business right now, dude. He sells better than anybody in WWE. You can't honestly think Seth Rollins doesn't sell. No, I think he does a good job. I didn't say anything about him not selling. I just said this was his best sell, sell job ever <laughs> if it was a sell. Speaking of sell jobs... You see what I did there? That's called a segue. In that is clever. Taking over. While you get ready, they're doing all they can to ensure this baby face turn clicks in fully. Getting sympathy for an injury only helps. This also makes me think that he and Cody probably won't have a fourth match. Um, I was hoping they wouldn't have a fourth match. I don't think either of them need it. Um, I don't think they need a fourth match. Do you think they need a fourth match, Bobby, Cody, and Seth? No, do you think that they end up putting them together, though, and letting Cody or Seth get a rub off the other one? Hey, you know what? We were bitter enemies. Now we're going to be the best of friends to destroy Roman Reigns and in this title reign. And, um, you know, Seth has that uh, heritage with Dusty as, you know, his coach at NXT for talking. Uh, does, you know, the, do they become friends? Maybe. I can see that being the case. I, I don't know if they'll work together as a tag team, but I could definitely see them as being allies at least. Yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my... I don't know how that goes. I knew the first part. Look at you. Even Bama said, not bad, Bobby. Man, you're getting you're getting that shine. Face the turn. enemy of my enemy is my friend. Botch Bots and Chair Shots had a double turn tonight, and we didn't even realize it was going to happen. This is a work shoot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Lord. All right. Well, as we get to the 
I'm not gonna, it's not the meat and potatoes because this is definitely not what this episode is about. But we're gonna call this the Let's appetizer. Be honest, this is what this this is what this episode is gonna be about. Right. We're gonna, we're gonna call this the appetizer. Um Vince McMahon is Shanghai the company and says, I'm the captain now, bitches. Where are the two of you at with everything involving the WWE sell or not sell saga? Um, you want me to go first? Yeah, jump in there. Yeah, I'm reading reports now that Stephanie and Triple H were both against the sale. That's why Stephanie so quickly dropped out, which leads me to believe that Triple H is going to be pretty close behind on that. Um, I think the only reason why Triple H wouldn't drop out as quick as Steph did is his dedication to, you know, his brethren, uh, his his family of pro wrestlers. Um, so I think he's trying to, like, exit quietly for that. Um, you know, Vince, Vince owns the company. It's, it's his right, you know, it's his right since 1980, you know, three, when he negotiated it from his father, um, you know, he's built this up. We talked about it last night on TikTok before Will got banned for bullying me. Um, we talked about, you know, what Vince has done and what his legacy has been for pro wrestling. And, you know, at this point in time, you know, the guy's in his seventies, he's ready to retire or maybe not. Um, but you know what? Good for him, man. Like he bought a company for a million dollars and he's getting ready to sell it for upwards of $10 billion. Like we talked about last night on TikTok, it's not like Trump inheriting something from his dad um, that he just continued the money for. It's not like the Bush family and I'm not attacking Republicans. Um, It's not like, you know, all these people, the Kennedys that inherited this stuff. This is a guy that started off in a trailer park, met his dad later in life, bought his company and has turned it into the largest company in the world that's getting ready to be bought, or largest company in sports entertainment that's getting ready to be bought by Disney for more than double the amount that they paid for Marvel or Star Wars. Okay. My situation is um, I feel like I've spoken ad nauseum about this, and I haven't, we, we're just on our show now. Like, we're just doing our show, and I feel like I've spoken about this ad nauseum. Um, yeah, but you're getting banned, so nobody hears it. Oh, shut up, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bobby. No. Uh, when I made the stupid TikTok video on the first, I said, what if Vince gets tired, blah, 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 and he comes back and makes everybody, he's like, F it, we're going to sell the company. Um, I then said that he could get the 81% that he owns and he could strong arm his way into a cell because he has the voting rights. And I wish I wasn't correct because it looks like what's going to end up happening is Vince is going to sell to the highest bidder, not for anything else other than he wants to make the money. He wants to have the largest sell in American history. He wants to take the $500,000 business where he borrowed the money from his dad and then bought his dad's company that, you know, like Bobby said, if you look, you know, account for inflation, it's a million dollars today. He bought the WWE for a million dollars and he's going to sell it for 10 billion. Look at what this man did for what the man did in business and the man did in pro wrestling. Now, setting here as somebody who will say Vince is 
a creep and he's dirty and he's not a great guy and all the things that go into that, that's where my issue lies is because I'm worried about what the legacy will look like in the WWE if they sell to the wrong person. And that's what I'm worried about is making sure. And that's hard to say as a fan because right now I'm speaking as a fan. I want the sell to happen to the right people. Because I don't want the history and the legacy of the last 50 years, 60, 70 years of the business just to be wiped out because somebody has $10 billion to spend. That's what I'm scared of, is wrestling losing its legacy and its history for the largest, most powerful promotion in the world because Vince is a petty little bitch and decides to sell to somebody whose last name isn't McMahon. I don't know if it's petty, though. Like... It's you know, petty. The, Look at it. It's petty. When the, it the comes Cro- down to it, it's petty. The Crockett sold the TBS and Turner. Was that petty? Crockett wasn't, you know, Crockett in 1986 when he sold had been around for what, 25 years? Maybe. Uh, longer. Yeah. Um, I don't, it would be Crockett sold in 86. It was, okay, even in the 50s, so say between 30 and 40 years old. I apologize for not knowing my dates better. Um, But even then, if you're looking at double the age now, look at what Crockett did in 86 and the way it affected the business, and everybody said that was one of the biggest, darkest days in the history. Now put double that history, double that lineage, and double that value, triple that value in what that company has done in the business. But Okay, so did George Lucas sell out? Yes. Yes. 100% 100% George Lucas sold out. Stan Lee? Yes. God rest his soul. I love that man. You know? But, yes, they sold out. That's what you do in business. You develop something, you become the best at it, and then you make them, like, if you want to be a businessman, people don't go into business because they don't want to make money. You go you into think? business to be successful and to make money. Would it be selling out if uh, Tony Khan and his dad bought it? Yes. Okay, so no matter what, it's selling out, making money. Well, that's exactly that's the core term of what selling out means is literally becoming the best at something and then selling it to make the money off of it. Like that's at the the core basis of what it is. Vince is literally selling out. He's taking the wrestling business and he's going. You can have the richest history of on the entire planet. You know, the biggest wrestling library, all the history, all the territories, everything WWE owns, you can have it for $10 billion. He doesn't give a shit who you are. But if you've got the money, you can buy his company. In their excitement level, though, like if Disney buys it, that Disney does make a Hall of Fame inside their parks. But you also have to look at, like, what... Disney and some of these other companies might do to the brand. Like Disney is Disney to me would almost be worst case scenario because Disney is going to super over commercialize everything WWE. They're going to water it down. They're going to make it like, you know, they're going to want it to be that family friendly thing. And everyone's already complaining enough that WWE is too PG. Think about WWE going G-rated. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Disney's got the money to, like, do some cool things and, like, branch out some of the other brands of WWE. But if you look at the core product of it, like, I think 
it would almost be just way too much commercial. I mean, like, look at all the Disney's Star Wars. Deadpool. Disney's got Deadpool, though. That's one. They do have Deadpool. One thing that's not PG rated. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, Avengers, Avengers 2, Iron Man said shit. Oh my god, god. I'm pretty sure Endgame and Infinity War both were PG-13, weren't they? But still, like, there's not gonna be, like, a freaking street match on fucking Disney+. Plus. Like, that shit's not gonna happen. Here you Have go, you though. It? Here's my Indeed. argument to the Disney's gonna water everything down thing. Look at ESPN+. Look at what they do for the 30 for 30 series. It's hard to water down Daryl Strawberry doing eight balls of Coke off of hookers, you know, hookers assholes and stuff. Like, it's hard to water that down. That's still on Disney+. Plus. You yeah, know, they I still think... talk about all the drugs and stuff they did when they were doing the steroid trials. All of that still on Disney+. Plus. Uh, yeah. All of the stuff about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa doing steroids still on Disney+. Plus. They still got some... No, I'm not going to say questionable content, but they've got adult-natured content on Disney Plus right now. If you go to the ESPN category, some of those 30 for 30s are rated TVMA because of what yeah, they I got think, on I them. Think, honestly, I think the worst thing you're going to see is Roman Reigns is going to be on there and says, acknowledge me, and you're watching Disney Plus. <laughs> Lord. I always go back to the South Park episode, and I could hear the mouse in my head. I'm the tribal chief now, bitch. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah, and the Simpsons are on Disney Plus. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm they're, saying. Well, that's because Disney owns I, that part of Fox now too. Thank you, thank you, Marie, Fox. for marketing genius. Yeah, I don't know. Eh. It is what it is. Like, you know, my 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 fear. I, I agree. Like part of it. Like my fear is, you know, this didn't work out very well for the NWA and WCW. Like when a TV company bought them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. You know, Disney, maybe that is why Vince stays in office for as long as he possibly can. You know, maybe that's why Disney might go after Triple H and want him in office or Shawn Michaels at NXT. Like, you know, this is potentially Disney's the one that can produce the most, I think, out of any of the companies that are out there. Disney's the largest. They've got the largest audience. They could probably bring, you know, the Hulk Hogan era. We were all fans of the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov because of a cartoon. Like, longevity, who is Nikolai Volkov? When I see Nikolai Volkov in Mid-South in the 80s, I'm like, why is he even there? Like, he's a WWF star. Um, you know, Disney might be the best avenue. Like, they they might they've got might have the must, uh, other than the Saudis. Um, can I say F? Yeah. Yeah, they might, have some, like, they might have the most fuck money out there that they can just throw shit around and be like, hey, you know what? Let's make a John Cena cartoon. Let's make a rock cartoon. Let's make a Stone Cold cartoon where, you know, maybe he takes the Kurt Angle gimmick and he's slapping milk instead of beer. I guess. And, but at what point is it too much? Like, you know, everybody loves Star Wars and Marvel, but, like, is the market way oversaturated with that stuff? Absolutely. Every failed Marvel movie concept is now made into a one-season Disney Plus show that's, like, maybe mediocre. Same with all oh, the what's a, what's a What's a failed Marvel property that they made a show out of? No, I meant like movie concepts. Like the, like, um, you know, WandaVision was great, but like that was a movie storyline that didn't work out to be a full-length movie, so they made it, like there wasn't the, 
what's the word I'm looking yeah, no, for? Yeah, it was great. The, um, and Hawk and Hawkeye was great. The draw. Yeah, the draw. Use a wrestling term. So like, are they gonna throw so much content in our face that it's too much? Like, I think there's way too much Star Wars crap and way too much Marvel crap. Like, but I, isn't that what Attitude Era was about? Was the Attitude Era took mid card guys like Val Venus, uh, D'Lo Brown, the Hardys, Edge and Christian. And they made them main eventers by exposing them on a smaller scale. Like they put them on Sunday Night Heat. They put them on the smaller uh, shows, not Raw, until they built up to Raw. So couldn't Disney potentially do the exact same thing to where, you know what, you finally are selling guys. Like guys are selling the arenas like John Cena did last week for ratings on SmackDown instead of the name WWF, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble. Instead of those selling the selling out the arenas, now you actually have true superstars like Stone Cold, like The Rock, like Brett the Hitman Hart, um, that sell out the arenas because they're going to be there. I mean, maybe. It could go either way. So okay. you're saying we have a chance. <laughs> you're saying there's a chance. I just worry. Slim, that, but there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> that there's just going to be <laughs> too much. You know, like, Raw's already a lot for three hours. You know what I mean? For three hours. Like, it's going to be a lot of... I'm worried about a crap ton of mediocre content. We have. I think that's what we have, though, right now. Three hours of Raw every night for the right. past 20 years has but been mediocre. quadruple that with Disney. But at least then they... I think the big thing is then they control the narrative of the network that they're on. Because obviously USA and Fox will be... Well, Fox might be able to stay. USA will be history. Um you know, does it go to Disney Channel exclusives? Like, is there a WWE live network on Disney Plus that shows uh, current stuff? Um, you know, is it ABC that WWE now goes to and is exposed on ABC and ESPN? I think like it'll ESPN all probably go to Fox because Disney owns Fox. Right, but they also own ESPN. And ESPN launched the AWA in the late 80s and also WCCW in the late 80s. Um, so <clears throat> the potential to make it that sports orientated AEW, what they promised the beginning stuff, this, this could be huge. And Bama brings up a good point because NBC universal right now has an ACE in their hand already because they do own the deal rights to Peacock. And that's a one and a half billion dollar deal. So if somebody not named NBC universal buys that company, not only are they looking to buy WWE for between eight and $10 billion, they also are looking down the barrel of a close to a billion dollar contract buyout to buy those rights back from uh, Comcast, NBC universal. Thanks for the follow now, Vince. Only, Thanks for stopping in. Bubba. That's only in the USA because mm -hmm. um, WWE is actually on Disney plus in Europe. I know, but what I'm saying is just the U.S. deal is worth a billion dollars. So to yeah. buy the U.S. streaming rights back from Peacock, or you have to let your rival company, you know, stream your stuff then. You see what I mean? Like, they're right. going to have to buy that contract out no matter what if it's not NBC Universal. But also in the same breath, NBC Universal will have to buy the streaming rights back from Disney. And if they can't stream Peacock over there, then it comes into the question of, do you sell those rights to Netflix or do you sell them to Hulu or do you sell them to Amazon? Because you're not going to let that company keep them since they made a bid on the company too. You see what I right. mean? Right. Yeah. And WWE, or I'm sorry, not WWE, Disney is patient on that because if you look at the theme park world, um, Universal owns the rights to the live action characters 
of Marvel at Universal Studios, but do not they cannot use the word Marvel. Like it's called Superhero Land. Um, they can use the character's name and their likenesses, but they can't use the word Marvel. So Disney is very patient right now, waiting for all that stuff to expire so they can purchase it back, just like they've been waiting for the Incredible Hulk. Like if if Universal doesn't put out another Incredible Hulk movie, I think it's like every like five years, then Disney has the right to buy it back. But the Incredible Hulk movie you're referencing is the one with Edward Norton in it. That's the whole reason why we haven't got a Mark Ruffalo origin stories because Universal still owns those rights to the next Hulk movie. That movie came out when I was in high school. It had to have been 2002, 2003 when the Edward Norton Hulk came out. Yeah, it came out right after Iron Man, the first one, came out. Thanks, Vince. I like the new setup, too. Allison did a great job building it for us. Uh, my amateur coding skills are shining a little bit, but uh, the layout's mostly here. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I love the Hulk ride in Universal. I thought that's one of the coolest roller coasters ever. I know, Bobby, that's one of the segue into one of your things, but like, that was a cool-ass ride where you get in it and they shoot you through the tube and then they immediately flip you upside down and you like go back underneath where you came from and stuff. Like, yeah, the Hulk the Hulk. yeah, you've got one of the original like bolts from it or something, right? When they yeah. updated part of it? Yep. Yeah, they, they tore it down about <laughs> six years ago. So yeah, I've, I've got the Hulk's nuts on my wall. You've got the Hulk's nuts on your wall. And Allison's the the almighty executive producer she is is telling us we need to get this train back on the rails and go back to wrestling there's a question there's a question let's entertain marie shadow's idea just what if vince is doing all of this to buy the company completely back from from going public and take it private again so he can pass it on to hunter steph and he can't do that if they are all on the board um so just uh I, I shout out to bama shout out to marie bobby what do you think about that switch of it is is the, all of this just the smoke and mirrors so that way he can buy the 18 percent back and go private yeah I, I brought that up a couple days ago on tiktok with you uh going live um yellow shoe guy and the will gray who's banned for being a bully um and you know we <laughs> talked about it i t i thought i thought the sale was going to be to stephanie and to hunter um more than anything else. And I, I feel like this is Vince giving back to his children, giving back to his lineage, um, and even giving back to his father. Like, I think as rich as this guy is, has he totally forgotten the trailer park that he came from and the legacy of his grandfather and his father and himself at this point? So I don't know, you know, is, is Vince totally business or is Vince family guy too and you know it's no knock on him if he does sell out because 10 billion dollars he's then taking care of generations and generations of his family that won't even know him physically um you know so which what's more important to him his legacy or him taking care of his family for generations to come i think it's that really delicate like dance where he has to find the balance between the two because like I said, I've preached this the whole time. We got flack for it last night. They said that uh, I got I got banned for bullying last night. But you and I were getting flack from the, the peanut gallery because people said that we were uh, giving Vince the old uh, up, down, up, down. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't mean to punch my desk. I'm sorry. That was accidental. <laughs> yeah, what did that, yeah, what did that one guy say? I'm... 
He said I, I'm that a... we were Vince Vince Riders, but we were the D Riders. Yeah, Vince D Riders. That's right. That's what he said. Something clever like Vince's that. Dick and not What's up, Fiend Cosplay? Dick. What's up, Fiend? Thanks for stopping in, Bubba. It's good to see you. Uh, but yeah, we were told because we were just we weren't trying to ride his dick. We were just simply saying Vince was a good businessman. He still like, is. You take a look at the way he did it at the core value of it. He bought a company for $500,000 and he's going to sell it for $10 billion. Like I said, the man might be a creep, but that's a hell of a venture, business he venture. Bought, he bought a company with the owner's money yeah. and then, then bought a time slot on TBS, sold it back to the people that he bought it from for more than double and produce a little show called <laughs> WrestleMania in New York. He did. He took all of his and Linda's money, all of their money. They liquidated everything for that million-dollar show. And uh, they gambled their entire livelihood. If WrestleMania had cracked and it not gone through, they would have folded. The WWE wouldn't have been able to keep going if WrestleMania Jim wasn't Crockett, successful. Yeah, Jim Crockett Promotions funded WrestleMania. They were so bitter about that TBS black saturday that they bought the time slot back from vince mcmahon for their fans for their fans hey fans we're giving back to you and vince took that money and made a national company starring hulk hogan roddy piper paul Wendorf, and mr t marie with sydney lawford oh sorry marie says others don't like it others success uh others just don't like other success this guy you guys calling D-Riders when you're just stating facts. I butchered that, but you get the gist of it. Marie agrees that you and I catch a lot of flack for just speaking facts. I'm a little bit more eloquent sometimes than you are, though, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, I'm the face here, brother. That doesn't work for me, sir. Lord. <clears throat> Wrestle Talk hates both of you equally, I think. I did. Wrestle Talk does hate us because both. Because you don't push it But we it just on our side. It is what it is. Uh, we, we got, got anything to... else on the Vince stuff? What about uh, Tony and his daddy throwing their Oh, hat? yeah. Uh, EB, easy E to the B, sent us this earlier in the chat uh, because we had a little conversation about it on TikTok. And uh, he was cracking the joke, what if the cons are interested in the company? Um Today it was leaked by Barron's, which is a sister publication to the Wall Street Journal, that uh, the Saudi deal was not done. They did not sell to the Saudis, but they released a group of people that was an official list in accordance to what WWE had given Wall Street Journal, a list of people that had thrown their name in the bag that had the money. And we saw the usual suspects, PFI, the Saudi investment firm, Disney, Comcast, NBC Universal. Netflix, Amazon, all the people that we've been talking about and we've all heard. But at the very bottom of the list, very nonchalantly, was Shad Khan's name. What do you think about the Khans throwing their name, like throwing their hat in the bag? Is this just a publicity stunt? Do you think yes. there would be any chance at all that the board would allow to sell to happen to the Khans? Like that isn't Nick Khan? I think publicity, yes. I also think that the fact Vince, Vince won't sell to another wrestling company. He just won't. I, I I guarantee you, no matter what that old crazy guy is thinking in his, they could probably they could probably offer double of anybody else, and I can't see Vince selling to them, just for the fact of his meeting with Vern Gagne back in 1984, where Vern and Greg 
famously yelled at him in an airport. Um, I think it's going to remind him of his childhood and it's going to give him like, you know, that uh, PTSD. I can't see Vince selling again to any other wrestling company because that to me would, that to me says Vince failed. And I think that's how Vince would see it is he failed as a promoter because another, another company beat him. You're absolutely right. Um, Oh, Bama. I, I disagree with you on that one, Bama. Would Vince have sold to Ted Turner? Oh, okay, never mind. I don't disagree with you. No, I don't. No, Vince would not. Vince would have rather gone out of business than to sell to Ted Turner. What's that uh, hot take you had the other day, Will? Uh, that maybe Vince is selling WWE so he can buy AW. Oh yeah, I was uh, partaking in the trees and festivities late one evening, and we were in the garage just kind of spitballing, and I said. What if he's doing the old rope-a-dope here? All right? Just put your tinfoil hats on. Let's just get ready and just accept the fact that I'm fucking crazy and just listen to my story. All right? Where's my phone? I wrote this down. I'm prepared. All right? 420, 420 reasons why Vince McMahon would not sell. All right. Listen, all right? Follow me here. Pure speculation. Absolutely nothing to go off. What if in a huge astronomical Marvel-sized what if? 1983, we all know Vince borrowed the money from his dad, blah, blah, blah. Once he had the control of the company, he used this leverage to do things nobody else in the business had ever done. He bought new territories to run in new cities. He bought TV deals. Um, he also had the ability to leverage deals and buy out his competition. Stuff me and Bobby have already talked about. Black Saturday, Vince essentially bought out the remaining territories of JCP, used that TV deals, threw away what he didn't want out of the, the TV deals and the rosters and all of that. Fast forward to 2022. What if he's doing this in reverse order? We know Vince doesn't have to borrow money from anybody. The man's got more money than fucking God, okay? He can buy whatever he wants. He can't, however, monopolize a business. He can't buy AEW if he owns WWE, all right? So like I said, put your tinfoil hats on. Valued at $125 million, AEW doesn't seem like much, but Vince can't buy AEW if he owns WWE. What if he sells one solely for the purpose of choking out his competition and buying and liquidating the whole operation of the other guy? That's, that's crazy talk. You think it's crazy? Is it? I told you it was crazy. Is it just crazy enough? <laughs> Bama said breaking news. Vince is going to sell to Sinclair and debut at Hard to Kill tomorrow. <laughs> Bobby's looking at me like I'm crazy. That's the first time I've ever seen Bobby Mack speechless. I know. <clears throat> I wasn't listening. To anything I said, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> that doesn't surprise you know, me. My... My thing is, what if, what if Stephanie, and maybe Shane, are involved and they're working in cahoots with Vince to, to make this sale happen? Is Shane on the board? Shane is not on the board. Shane, Shane is not been... on the board. He's, he owns a he owns that good stock. He has Class B shares. Yes. Yeah. Um, Shane's quiet, and Shane. H is not on the board either, right? No, he is on the board. He's the chief He's on the board. officer. But the board, honestly, the board is, it's, 
the board is really just a fluff piece for the public. You're a fluff piece for the public. The people Not that either. are on the board, Vince still owns the entire thing. So Vince overrules the board no matter what. Like, no matter how, quote unquote, this is a publicly traded company, it's not a publicly traded company in in the heart and soul of it is Vince still can make all the rules. Shane is right there with him. He owns the same kind of stock, not as much, obviously. But the McMahon family never truly let this thing go. They let the public feel like they own part of it. They've made a lot of money in that aspect of it. But a true board and directors, I don't think you would ever really see anywhere else in any other company, a board of directors, quote unquote, that's like the WWE board of directors. Like it's, it's, it's a fluff piece. It's their kayfabe. They're kayfabe leaders. Are you trying to company. say people like George Berrios and Michelle Wilson aren't viable businessmen and business, business women? I know they're viable. But they are fluff pieces. They are pawns on this chessboard. Those pawns negotiated the most like lucrative TV deal in wrestling history, though. Yep, and they're expendable. And Vince Vince has used them, and he's pawned them, and he's he's used them as frontline people. You've got Vince is the king. I don't know where um, where the queen is right now. Like what she's really doing, other than living in West Palm and living her best life in her you know seventies. Stephanie's up there. Shane is there. Triple H is there. Um, this is still a family-run business. Like this is still a mom and pop's business. Just a lot more hands are in there. Allison's telling you she's playing the. No, this is music. for both of me. The walk-off or music. for all of us. Final <laughs> thoughts on the Vince McMahon saga. Yes, and then I'm we'll over go. it. Sell it to anybody but Saudi, just because I'm a fan. Do, um. So. Here's something I, I tried to bring this up last night, but you got bullied and or you got taken off for being bullied. Um, not that I pointed that out anymore. With with your heritage, how would you feel as a fan to support a salty product? And do you think that other people in your heritage have any any illness? Like obviously, Sami Zayn's got an issue with it. Um, what what do, what do you feel like that impact would be with Saudi Arabia? Allison, you want to tee this one off? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like if it is sold to the Saudis, I would guess to say at least, I would say a minimum of 50%, and that's being generous, 50% of that locker room would quit. Honestly, I think 99% of that locker room would quit. Um... I know that I personally would not support a sale to the Saudis uh, just because of my heritage and things like that. Like, I'm not going to support um, a country that, you know, oppresses my people. Um, You know, things like that. Um, And this is religion and sex. What? This This would be religion and sex. Correct. Well, a re- uh, religion slash ethnicity and sex. So, because my three being favorite Jewish things, is, huh? My three favorite things. <laughs> being Jewish is a, is a religion and ethnicity. Just in case you didn't know, teaching people things. Um, yeah, and I feel like most of the locker room would walk. Sammy and Ko for sure. Do you guys think, this will be the last question, then we'll move on. 
Do you guys think this was them testing the waters to see how the public would react to the possible sell of a, a Saudi brand group? Do you think they were like, hey, Sean, leak this out and let's see how the public reacts and then we'll see if we want to go forward with it? Because there wasn't a lot of positive feedback from the possibility of them no. selling to the Saudis. Do you think this was just a ploy? Because we know the sell didn't happen. I'm saying it now, botch bots and share shots right now. As of Thursday night at 10.03 Eastern Time, the WWE has not been sold to PFI, the Saudi investment firm. But Lisa Marie Presley has passed away. But Lisa, Lisa Marie Presley has passed away. God rest her soul. I think that, I don't think it came from the top. I think it might have been somebody, I'm not going to accuse a Triple H, but I'm going to say <laughs> in that middle ground that disagreed with Vince, put this story out there fed it to uh, Sap so he could put it out there. So whoever on that level, maybe it's Steph, maybe it's Triple H, whoever, could just say, told you so, Dad. Told you so. Nobody wants this. Maybe. I can see that being the case. All right. I've had all I can handle for Vince McMahon, guys. We're over that. <laughs> We're moving on, whether y'all want to or not. All right. So... From season one, one of my favorite episodes we did uh, was the episode, Can I Speak to Your Manager? And what you and I did, Bobby, Allison wasn't an on-screen figure yet. She was still behind the scenes as a producer. Um, we discussed our favorite managers throughout wrestling history. So this time for part two, I kind of want to try to stick as close to the 21st century as possible. So this is going to be a little bit tricky for you. So I've got some names written down. Uh, Bobby's kind of the old school guy, so he'll be the one to relate them to say, you know, these guys remind me of, you know, Ellering or Corny or somebody. And then, Allison, you were spoon-fed and shoved down your throat the old school ways because that's what I'd watch. But you also know and appreciate new school wrestling, so I'm curious about your take. So we're going to start this conversation off easy. Who are some of your favorite managers, valets, advocates whatever you want to call them, that have came out post-Attitude Era WWE. Can you guys think of, think of any right off the top of your head that immediately come to mind? Paul Heyman. Okay, well, that's an easy one, yeah. Way to take that softball, yeah. Bobby. Did, way to take the softball, Bobby. Talk about my balls. Okay, well, let's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, Bobby. You, no. Literally, like, the conversation is about managers, and you picked the one that you know we're going to have the most to talk about. Allison, yeah. pick a different manager besides Paul Heyman. Somebody that, you know, we're not going to spend another 25 <laughs> minutes talking about. Um, Katie brought up Zelina Vega, and I, lo I love Zelina. That's a great pick. That's more along the lines of what I was talking about. Yeah, all your eyes, Bobby. <laughs> We're going to get to Paulie. I just didn't want him to be the first one. <clears throat> I think Zelina's exactly what I'm talking about with this. When you look at the way she's came in, uh, she's been involved. She was with Andrade before when he was in WWE. She's been involved with a lot of really powerful guys uh, that have had semi-decent careers. What do you think of her as a mouthpiece, Bobby? I think she got Alberto over, um, and he's not a likable guy inside or outside the ring um, or outside the business. So, you know, kudos for her to be able to do that. I think she's failing pretty miserably with this new group. I don't even know what their names are. Um, so 
Selena did well with Alberto, but not now. Legato like she's Fantasma body. Yeah, she's she's proving at this point that she's not as strong a mouthpiece as she was. I will agree with Marie, Vicky Guerrero. If you're going to talk about a woman after the Attitude Era, Vicky Guerrero is probably the woman to go to, and the manager to go to. Not even woman, but manager. When you look at um, some of the female managers that had managing careers after their wrestling careers, Stacy Keebler is another one. Uh, what did you think about her as a manager? <laughs> what? You're good. So when you talk about women wrestlers that became managers, Stacy Keebler is the first one that comes to your mind. A post attitude era, like valets were talking about women. Yes, Bobby, she's on my list, so I picked another woman. It's segues, man. Let me host the show. You just talk. Be here and look okay. pretty. What about, uh, so Sherry Martell, and I'm gonna. It, she's attitude era. She's in WCW, but she's yeah. attitude era. Perfect um, pick. Thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> Thank, thank you, thank you for not bullying me and making me cry. You're lucky you live 800 miles away from me. Um, so another one on my list, uh, I'm curious about this was MVP, um, the Hurt Business. Like, what did you think about when MVP made the transition over to being a manager? You know, he surprised me. All right, so SEC Vince is pointing out. I said Alberto De Rio. And that's not who Selena had. Selena had Armando uh, Alejandro Estrada. Yeah, yeah. so I apologize. Um, you know, MVP, I liked his feud with Matt Hardy back in the day. I thought it was really good. I thought he was kind of weak until he did get with uh, Bobby Lashley. And it's proven to be a good, you know, he's gotten Shelton Benjamin over, which other than the time Shelton was with Kurt Angle, Shelton's never really been that that over. Um Cedric Alexander has never been over unless it was with um, with MVP. So, yeah, I think MVP is, you know, he's not a Bobby Heenan. He's not even a Sherry Martell, but he is a guy that when he's there, he commands respect. He dresses the part. And for that, I'd, I'd give MVP a nod. What do you think about MVP, Al? I love MVP. I think I didn't really like his run with Omos. I thought that was real stale. But uh, I love him with Bobby. I get almost over. Yeah. (laughs) I love him with Bobby Lashley. I think they make a great pair. I'm glad, you know, this past week they, you know, gave the bump and they're getting back together. Um, I definitely think that bringing back the Hurt Business is a good idea. I feel like Lashley has been a little lost without them. Um so, I don't know. I think he's really cool. And I learned something the other day, and Marie will be proud that I learned this, even though uh, Will told me. But I didn't know that MVP had a New Japan run. He did. I was about to bring it up. Yeah. He was the first IWGP Intercontinental Champion. Um, yes. Back. We learned it last night. Yeah, season premiere. Botch Bots and Cheer Shots, season two. Uh, Marie and I did the history of the strap for the IWGP Intercontinental title. Fantastic listen. Um, if you want to hear us about new, the New Japan, like the Professor New Japan's always. I put Maria over every chance I get. Huge fan, huge friend of Marie's Shadows. I agree with Bama in the chat. Hurt Business versus Bloodline would be on fire. I think so. It'll too. be a great match. There's no way around it. And I think if they do it right and uh, they take the belts off of the Bloodline, the Hurt Business would be the perfect first feud, like post championship mm-hmm. drop. You know, because it would be that 
it would make Roman human again. So it would be a good opportunity for Bobby to get an easy win in a series of two or three matches if they booked it right. So I think that would be great. And I think having MVP and Paul Heyman is something that they've missed because those two being able to go at each other on the mic will be epic. Be gold. Yeah, and Lashley's never been good on the mic. Like, his his impact run as their champion was terrible. Like, he came out, like, I don't know. I was at, like, I was at the arena. I don't know, man. Like, that black hat or the black um, headband that he would wear, like, just looked so awkward. Like, I, I couldn't even hear what he was saying. Like, I'm just, like, looking at his headgear going, what are you doing, man? Like, did you forget to take that off before you came out here? Like, it's not like you have messy hair. Like, take the hat off. It doesn't make you look intimidating. You just are just there. I feel like Bobby needs MVP. And that's what's been missing this last bit from Bobby. I feel like Bobby is the MVP. (laughs) Oh, wait a second. You guys are talking about Lashley. Never mind. Lord, you're definitely not the MVP. Everybody knows and everybody in the chat, I'm not even going to turn my head to the right to look. Everybody's going to be like, Allison's the MVP, which is true. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying that we, we all know Allison's the MVP. Um, Check. Hear me out. Maria Canales specifically with the kingdom. That's a great pick right there. Thank you guys for coming in tonight, Katie, and doing my job for me. Maria Canales. Uh, they were talking about it today uh, in one of the group chats on Twitter that I'm in that some of the guys didn't even realize Adam Cole was in the kingdom. And none of those guys really, I would say Bennett, between Bennett, Taven, and Cole, I would probably say Bennett's the least versed on the mic, but he's not a bad talker. But Maria has that, she's very Vicky Guerrero-esque in a sense that when she talks, like she can make you hate her or make you fall in love with her all at the same time, just depending on what kind of mood she is. I love Maria Canales' ability to talk. I got one. What? However brief that it was, um, what about William Regal with the Black... the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, and uh, the two weeks with MJF. Ooh, that's a brilliant one. The, I know. The Blackpool Combat Club. Bobby, what did you think about that run and uh, having William Regal be kind of the, the focal point and the, the teacher, mentor, educator of the the BCC? Um, I found it weird because William Regal, yes, his career is longer than what the other guys were, um, but at that point in time, Daniel Bryan had already like surpassed William Regal's career, and so did Ambrose at that point or Moxley, like, they had both already main-evented, pro, like, WrestleMania. And William Regal, has he ever main-evented any pay-per-view? Ever? Has like Paul Heyman? So, mm-hmm. By huh? himself. As a wrestler? That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't... Paul Heyman, no, Paul Heyman has been a main-event wrestling manager. Like, he's many a time over. Um, but William Regal was never a pro-wrestling, like... I don't know, like, it, he wasn't the talk, you know, Bob, you know, and you might, okay, you could probably, for Allison's point, you could say Bobby Heenan, even though he was a performer, fresh, a professional wrestler, never main evented, but he did. He did main event matches with Ultimate Warrior um, in those uh, weasel suit matches. J.J. Uh, Dillon, uh, Paul Ellering, okay, maybe they've never main evented, but they brought their characters up because Hawk and Animal for the Road Warriors or, you know, even like Tully at some point, we're not main event talents until they got with these managers. 
now you've got guys that were WrestleMania main eventers going backwards with, and you know, I know I might get a lot of, a lot of hate for this. He's really talented, William Regal, but he was a mid Carter, upper mid Carter at best during his pro wrestling career. He was never really known as a manager. Um, he managed Bobby Eaton at some point in time in WCW um, as the Blue Bloods and a tag team partner as well, kind of guided him. But to me, Regal, Regal was good, but I think it, he would have been better used with talent that weren't as over as what Daniel Bryanson or John Moxley were with the combat club. Like for me, a guy that I would look at during this time period is Armando Estrada with Amaga. Like before Roman Reigns was able to get um, the I know a family over and make them bigger than what they've ever been in their entire career, it took mouthpieces. Captain Lou did it with the Wild Samoans, and I think Estrada did it later on with Umaga. Uh, Eric Bischoff, the Bloodline. Yeah, Eric Bischoff did it earlier um, as well um, with uh, the three-minute warning. Now Roman and the Usos have brought this family to a new level. But before that level, I would put Estrada in the same category as Bischoff and Captain Lou on getting these wild Samoans over. Uh, what do you think? Katie in the chat, just knocking out home runs. Stephanie McMahon, but specifically like the early 2000s Steph when she was the, you know, the HBIC. I specifically come to mind. What's is that mean? The... Hey, bitch in charge. Thank you, Allison. I specifically come to mind is the Jericho Rhino rivalry when uh, she was Rhino's manager and her and Jericho went back and forth. Those were some hella great pay-per-views. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I was going to point out was I think the Stephanie and Jericho part was so much better than even like the Stephanie Helmsley or McMahon Helmsley era. Like her, her and Jericho, they, they played off with the, they played off each other. Amazing. I agree. She was a uh, great. I also feel like watching the evolution of Stephanie's character throughout WWE all the way up through until Ronda's debut when the last time she was in a match. Um, her career historically has been, you saw her go from the innocent little kid to being involved in the business to all the stuff with, you know, Edge, or not Edge, but Test, uh, Triple H, and then all of that nonsense and the fake marriage and then the wedding and the, you know, like everything. You watch this woman grow inside of her company. Um, but then you think about like how many characters we've seen her play as a valet and manager. Do you think Stephanie McMahon's in-ring career is going to warrant a Hall of Fame induction one day? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. From timid, from timid teenager to... <laughs> You know, getting the marriage with uh, Triple H to the boobs with The Rock and Jericho going back and forth on that. Like, she's put herself out there in more ways than one. Um, and her very humble beginnings. Like, you know, obviously she's a rich girl, blah, blah, blah. But she started on the bottom. And if I was a Jericho guy, I'd probably say a bunch of jokes that she's still on the bottom and top and uh, backwards and forwards and everywhere else. But she's she's done incredible with like her position like she she really has and yeah she's definitely a hall of fame talent in front of the camera and behind the camera she's a former women's champion um and bema says that her evil glare was iconic i completely agree with that 
Like that yeah, that her, look. She had those McMahon eyes that she could give you. Yeah, I loved I loved when her and Tori were part of DX. Like against the Kane rivalry. Like it was perfect. It really was. Um, what do you guys think? about another manager that's kind of broke onto the scene. He did a lot of work with the, the trios before, especially when the Lucha Brothers were in AAA and stuff like that. But Alex Abrahantes, um, it's one of those guys, you know who he is. He's the guy that comes out with the the, the death triangle. Um, oh. Yeah, him and Brandon Cutler like... had the spot last night with the cold spray and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you guys think about Alex Abrahantes? And the Death Triangle. I don't know it's him. You've I'm looking him up. No. I forget that, like... I know Bobby doesn't really watch AEW a lot. Well, I'll tee it off. I'll, I'll talk about Alex. I'll give him his roses. I think one of the important things to remember about Alex is he's a manager that's not afraid to take a bump. Um, I'm not exactly sure about his in-ring experience, but when you see him get in the ring and work and the way he moves, he looks like somebody who's at least moderately trained. Uh, so I appreciate that. He's familiar with the business. He can he can talk. And I think what's important to remember is you don't hear him cut a lot of promos on AEW, but when you hear him cut promos in AAA and he gets to speak in Spanish, his promo skills are fucking fire. What? Yeah, you know, my thing My thing about Abrahantes is, you know, he was trained in the Heart Dungeon, like, in 96. Uh, it started, actually, on my birthday, December 6th. You Wikipedia um, the fuck out of that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Considering two seconds ago, you were like, I don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm reading about him. Apparently, you know, he's got a little bit of background in uh, Calgary, Alberta. Um, so, training there. Um, he was also head writer for Amassed Warriors on MTV2. Vice President of Lucha Libre, so he does have some wrestling experience. He uh, he does have a diversified background. Um, I really don't know much about him other than he's forty five years old um, and he looks kind of like a dork. But I'm gonna block Wikipedia cool. from your your computer. He's an interesting next time I see you. So I guess I've never noticed that there were four people that came out with Death Triangle, and to me, honestly, like. As a manager, if you don't really talk that much, like, are you really a manager or are you just some sort of, like, accessory? Like, the point of a manager is to be, like, that full-time mouthpiece for those guys that are shit on the mic. So, like, if I don't notice you and you don't really talk much, like, are you really a manager or are you just friends with some guys that are pretty good at wrestling and you just get to hang out with them? Katie brings up a good point. And that's what got that's what got me confused when Will mentioned Stacy Keebler was, you know, granted, yes, she did capture my attention. I did look at her, but she didn't speak. Tess spoke. Um, Steiner spoke. Um, she didn't speak. So why would she be on a list? She had the ability to add to a story because of who she was. Because um, of her I'm trying to be delicate with how I say this, but they involved a lot of times where it was the damsel in distress and Tess had to save his girl. I'm not going to go into it because I'm not going to be... I may be the heel now, Bobby, but I'm not going to be the yellow shoe guy. Uh, Katie brings up a good point. She should have been on this episode. I'm just going to call it. Next time, I, I, Katie just should have been on this episode. I think he's a good mouthpiece for them too, especially when Pinta and Phoenix were majorly speaking in Spanish and he was letting them be themselves. And I think that's important because... One of the issues with their mic skills in AEW is the language barrier. 
So I think that's uh, something to appreciate is that Alex gives them the ability to where they can rip somebody to shreds in, um, he can rip them to shreds with their words and then he'll be able to look at you and he'll go, you know, he'll, he'll deliver it in English the way it needs to be delivered. And I think that's something that Alex brings to the table that not a lot of managers do is because being bilingual, he can let his boys be themselves and speak from the heart and still, you know, scream and yell in Spanish, and then he can translate it and get them over in English. So I think Alex brings something special to the table with that aspect of it. Yeah, I think that would work better with Selena if she did that same thing. That's a good. That's a good call. Uh, Legato fan. Legato doesn't do it as the way Phoenix and uh, Penta do, though. Penta and Phoenix are still very heavy. Uh, what's up, Getcho? Thank you. What's up, Just? Scissor me, Daddy Just. Scissor me. Um, I lost my train of thought now. I completely forgot what I was talking about. What was the last thing I said, Allison? Um, we derailed. I was looking up the guy. <coughs> I know who he is now. Santos can talk. Okay, yeah, that's right. We were talking about Legato and some of those guys. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no, no. Legato, you're right. Uh, just got me all distracted. Him and Vince get me flustered. They both know they do it. Uh, we were talking about Legato and the need for a, like a bilingual mouthpiece. Somebody that can let his boys speak Spanish and still get over in English. Uh, but Wild and Santos and those guys in Legato have both established that they're fluent and able to, to speak clearly and efficiently in English. Not that Ray and Pinta can't, but Spanish, like I said, was very much their, their primary language. Whereas I think with Wild and Santos, for instance, they're much more comfortable speaking English. So they don't need Zelina to necessarily do that same thing. Yeah, but I think it might be good for character development. Okay. Yeah, it can what, add to the story. What about speaking of Sister Me Daddy? What about Daddy Ass? Oh, that's a good one. What do you think about Billy Gunn as a manager there, Bobby Mack? Um, did you see uh, the acclaim come out last night? I think it was in L.A. And they screwed up the rap. Did you see that on YouTube? I did. I brought it up. I showed it to Al right before we went on air. Yeah, um, it's hilarious because I'll tell you what, Billy Gunn, as he's walking back to the back because they wanted to redo the entire segment, he says, this is why I only said two words. Yeah, I love like, that. It was... That's a good way. I mean, give Billy credit, man. He's still funny. The dude's fucking jacked, even at, even in his into his fifties now. Like he's he's ripped. He's in arguably the best shape of his career. Um, That's why he's, he's not with WWE anymore. He's also uh, putting it into perspective. Looking at the old road dog Jesse James, um, he's definitely had the uh, the better of the careers post. Uh, new Age Outlaws, to say the least. Yeah, he's, you know, all, well, I don't know. That's I think that's a hit miss. The other guys are all behind the scenes, pushing people, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's doing something in front of the camera because he wants to do it. Um, you know, could Sean still do something in front of the camera? Probably if he could take that stupid hat off, whichever one he's wearing. Um, Road Dog could definitely talk somebody still into the stands, um, into the seats. Billy is shining in a different way than he ever has in his career. And he's probably one of those few guys in the back in the AW locker room that is getting some respect. And granted, it's from his two kids. It's from, you know, um, 
his tag team as well. Um, I think Billy's one of those guys that he does have, he's probably got the biggest audience of the AEW locker room actually listening to him behind the scenes than any other veteran because for whatever reason, they don't want to listen to Arn. They didn't want to listen to Regal. They didn't want to listen to Tully. They didn't want to listen to Punk. But they will. there's a group of them that will actually listen to Billy Gunn. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because his kids are saying, hey, my daddy's talking. Shut up. His kids don't like him, though. Hey, had, they had a rough history beforehand. Like, you should really, like, the Austin and Colton Gunn story is kind of interesting because their relationship with their dad early on was pretty much non-existent. And he really came around once they got into the business and started getting into the business. He came back into their lives later. Like, it's a, it's a great story in a sense that they reunited later and everything's good now. But uh, it's not the happy-go-lucky Hallmark movie that, they would have, that you could necessarily take right off the rip with AEW TV. They present it as there being a family, you know, like a thing. But that wasn't always the case. Uh, Daddy Ass wasn't always Daddy Ass. He was Mr. Ass for a little while. Yeah, well, Hallmark movies are all about, all about the end, not the middle or beginning. Yeah, like um, Austin was on a reality show um, with a bunch of other celebrity kids. And uh, he talks a lot about it, um, about like how he's never had a really good relationship with his dad and like that him and Colton like, got into wrestling to get the attention from their dad. And that, you know, Colton, Colton at the time, this was two years ago, a year and a half ago, um, Colton, like, really didn't want to wrestle, but he's doing it. Yeah, well, you can look at Dustin Rhodes, uh, Charlotte Flair, um, not not so much Reed Flair, but um, what's the other Flair? David, David Flair. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's there's a long history there of, you know, these wrestlers or celebrities that are on top of the world that, you know, don't remember their family. And then when they finally get off the road, you know, it, it's not like Sylvester Stallone. Like you make a movie for a month right. or two months, three months, you go home. These are guys that were literally on the road for 300 plus days. If you're in Hulk Hogan's case, he was on the road for 600 plus days um, in one year. Um because he was flying back back and forth through time zones. Um, he flew to Japan so many times that the difference in time zones equated to the extra 30 days in the year or whatever. Yeah, that was his story, exactly. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, you know, it's, you know, these, these guys, and, you know, Billy Gunn was probably the end of that type of era because he was part of the Attitude Era. Um, you know, the 90s did, you know, have a lesson schedule. So, you know, it's good that they reconnect. Like, it, it's amazing yeah. that, you know, they, they respect their dad enough that they do want to reconnect with him. And, you know, it's, it's, again, it's not, it's not where you start the race, it's where you finish, I think a lot of times. Um, and, you know, that, I think that's important. And that's, that's something to remember that, you know, at least now they're connecting and it's good that they all have this relationship at mm-hmm. this point in time. Yeah. Another one that I find interesting is, and I only saw like the very tail end of this because Lacey <laughs> got pregnant but when they did that storyline where, like, Ric Flair was dating Lacey or whatever, like, <laughs> and they were against Charlotte. That is so creepy. 
old that was man. such a weird angle too and the idea that they tried to play it off like Lacey's baby was Rick's mm-hmm. I thought that was really weird and that also went back to the Charlotte Flair stuff like that whole thing because there was a botch on the pregnancy tests and Charlotte's came back pregnant and they took her off the card and then it turned out she wasn't pregnant and they were like fuck now we've got to work you back in and like it was a whole debacle and mess around that time and uh, Flair was the manager uh, have you ever appreciated Flair as a manager at any point throughout his career, Bobby, or was he always just a better worker? You know, during evolution, I thought Flair did a really good job with Orton um, and Batista. Obviously, they they did segue him into, or not segue is probably the wrong word. Um, they did eventually morph him into, you know, an equal with them um, in the ring or whatever. Ric Flair is a great talker, but Ric Flair is a great talker about Ric Flair. He's not a great talker about other people. Thank you, boy. Uh, Hogan. Hogan's never been a manager. Fair enough. Um, you could say, like, you know, Roddy Piper, when Roddy Piper became a um, commentator, he was a terrible commentator because he always just equated things back to himself. Uh, Jesse Ventura, opposite, was a great commentator. He could equate things, he could put himself in and tie himself over. But it wasn't just putting himself over like what Piper would. Kurt Henning was another one. Kurt Henning did a good job, but not a great job at putting other people over. Bobby Heenan could put other people over. Um, Getting back to Ric Flair as a manager. No, Ric Flair is too big of a star to be a manager. Uh, Buddy Rogers tried it back in the 80s to become a manager after being the biggest star in professional wrestling. Um, Bruno Sammartino tried it as well with uh, with his son. There's some guys that are just too big to be managers. They're going to overshadow the person that they're with. Um, you know, Lou Albano's, the Bobby Heenan's, the classy Freddie Blassie was probably one of the biggest stars to actually become a manager and be able to get people over. Um, it's there's there's a certain je ne sais quoi to be able to do that. That's a that French, French. French word from somebody from Virginia, boy. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, Bobby or uh, Ric Flair, no on the manager's standpoint. Um, he overshadows. Even, you know what? Charlotte Flair is the biggest women's professional wrestler out there. And when Ric Flair came out, he still overshadowed her at 70 years old. So Flair, love him. Love to have him around in the sport. Uh, but he's, he's too big to be a manager. Just like Hogan would be too big to be a manager. Just like if Randy Savage came out and managed somebody, it wouldn't work. My favorite Ric Flair quote right now is that he was on After the Bell and uh, no free shout-outs. Uh, but he he told the story about this last week when Charlotte came back and won the title about how he was in the building and they kept it such a good secret even he didn't know she was in the building. And he said that he left to go party with a bunch of hockey players at a bar. So he left SmackDown before her return happened because he didn't realize she was coming back. And after the fact, she texted him and he was at the bar and he was like, he was talking to Corey Graves and he was like, yeah, Ashley messaged me and was like, dad, where the hell are you? I'm here tonight. I just came back. And he was like, why the fuck didn't you tell me? And it's the whole thing is, is Charlotte didn't want to tell her dad she was coming back and getting the strap because she said, Ric Flair's mouth is too fucking big. And he was like, it's true. 
my mouth's pretty big. <laughs> like That's funny. Yeah. I love that about yeah. him, though, that he was able to joke around about it, that even his daughter wouldn't tell him that she was getting the strap because she knew he would talk about it. That's hilarious. We should do a whole episode on Ric Flair. I've said that. I could handle that. I would do a Flair episode. Um, let's bang out a couple of these real quick, uh, these last few before we get to the, the big one. To the goat? To the goat. Uh, Stokely Hathaway with The Firm. What did you guys think about him in NXT before he got cut and then made the transition over to AEW? Did I do either you remember him? No. I know nope. No. Marie says I'm on the Ric Flair episode. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll make it happen. Um I think Stokely uh, is a vital oh go ahead, Bobby. You you're Wikipedia real quick. Don't wiki. Yeah, you know, who was born in nineteen ninety, so he's ten years older than my daughter. Um okay, so He's apparently African-American as well. He's from the ROH Dojo. Uh, I have no clue who this guy is. Ring of Honor, Independent Circuit. He was the guy. Let me clarify for you, Bobby, before you embarrass yourself some more, you Wikipedia ninja. Damn it, Bobby. Um, (laughs) He was the guy who climbed the ladder and took the X down in the Casino Royale ladder match and gave the X to MJF. And then oh, JF okay. used it to cash it in. That's who Stokely is. Stokely Hathaway. He came over. He okay, was, so, uh, okay, so he's the guy that uh, MJF has on retainer? Yes. With the firm, okay. with Big Bill, and all of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a nothing. You're a nothing. Wow. What do you mean he's a nothing? He, in the annals of pro wrestling, when you go in um, 20, and when you go to 2050, and somebody says, Stokely Hathaway, they're going to have the same memory of him as I do right now. Yeah, but he did. Katie, once again, Katie, bring it in. Katie, you should have been on this episode. I've said that like five times. Yeah, Uh, Katie, you should be here. He throws you those one-liners like you raggedy bitch. Like, he just says stuff like that. And he can just, he's got those, like, those one-liners that just make you laugh. You know what I mean? Like, he just has that ability to, like... Make you giggle. He could rip somebody to shreds. Like, I would like to see Stokely and MVP, like, just roast each other. So in 2050, somebody comes to you Mm -hmm. or Allison and goes, Captain Lou Albano, Classy Freddie Lassie, Stokely Hathaway, rank them. Who's one, two, and three? Repeat your list again. I was reading. You know I can't walk in. Captain Lou Albano, Classy Freddie Blassie. Stokely Hathaway. I wouldn't put any of those guys in my top three. If those are the three on your list. Blassie, Albano, and then Hathaway. In 2050. So this is 27 years from now. Yeah. Nobody's going to know who Stokely Hathaway is. You can't compare everything that's on TV today, though, to the absolute greats of all time. Just okay, because Stokely. Stokely isn't Paul Heyman doesn't mean that I can't say Stokely's a bad manager, though. Okay, so Stokely Hathaway, Maria Kanellis, and... Um, Name one well, other person we've talked about in the episode, you said, you said You said I can't say Paul Heyman, so... Um, Billy Gunn. Um, I would probably say Maria, Stokely, Billy, in order for managers. What? Nothing. It's a podcast. I'm just waiting for somebody to talk. <laughs> oh my! You looked like you were going to say something, Bobby. Yeah, you did. 
I mean, God, you're. I, I'm not you're gonna not, bully you. Just I'm not because. Bully you. And here's the thing, like. Of course, everything is an opinion, and opinions are like assholes. We all have one. That's why Bobby's here. But <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was one thirty-one forty-nine. That's a TikTok clip. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Uh, but I mean, it's all relative to who likes what and what time period you watch wrestling and blah blah blah. Just because, like. Bobby doesn't think that Stokely's the greatest of all time. Somebody else might. We don't yuck any yums here at Botch Bots and Chair Shots. We don't yuck any yums. Like what you want. Watch whatever wrestling you want. You want to watch a death match? Go watch a death match. You want to watch AEW? Watch AEW. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, Bobby. everybody loves garbage can wrestling. What? I can't wait for you to listen to the interview I just, I'm going to drop in. I got, I've interviewed two GCW guys tonight, Bobby. It's nothing but deathmatch wrestling all next week on TN Hot Takes. Is it is it garbage can wrestling or garbage championship wrestling? Which I one interviewed is it? somebody who has worked for XPW, CZW, GCW, ECW. Like he's worked for every major hardcore deathmatch wrestling promotion. IWA Mid South. Like he's worked for everybody. The dude's been in the business for twenty five years. Why can't he hold a job? He's a deathmatch wrestler. What do you mean? Bobby, how many jobs have <laughs> how many you jobs had have you had, year? Bobby? You're not even a wrestler. You like I'm not gonna call you a shootout, but you've had more jobs than me. Well yeah, everybody loves me. You've had four jobs since I've known you. Everybody loves you for about sixteen to eighteen months and then you go to a different <laughs> state and start a new franchise. <laughs> <laughs> spread my seed, spread my seed. Oh no, Bobby. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> oh no, grandpa. The uh, managers in the 21st century. Um, it's hard to not talk about him. We talked about him in the first episode because the man's been in the business for a million years. He's ran a promotion. He's been a booker. He's, you know, been all over the world. Jim Cornette. I'm talking about Paulie Dangerously, the second greatest manager of all time. Who's first? Bobby the Brain. Bobby the Brain. Paul Heyman, James E. Cornette. In those in that order. One, two, three. What about um that about Paul? Who? Paul Bear. Paul Bear is my top five. He would be number five. Paul Bear Paul Bear was a good character manager. Um Percy Pringle was a good manager. Um but I think the Paul Bear character no pun intended, kind of killed Percy's legacy. Well, if you look at it like that, Percy Pringle managed Texas Red and WCCW. And then yeah, he managed Ravishing Rick Rude. He's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's managed a ton, you know, a ton of guys, but I think the Paul Bearer character, he's more known for Paul Bearer than he is Percy Pringle. And Percy Pringle had more character than Paul, if that makes sense. Like, Paul Bearer was a character. Percy Pringle had character. That makes sense. I think Paul Bear, Percy Pringle, either one of them. That's why he's in the top five managers of all time for me. Um, but Paul Heyman, specifically speaking, not the ECW Paulie Dangerously, not the WWE Booker, General Manager, Creative Mind. What I'm talking about is the Advocate, the Special Counsel. You know, the uh, the the man in the ear of the Tribal Chief, our WWE Universal Undisputed Heavyweight Wrestling Champion, Roman Reigns, that guy. 
Could you say that with um, less enthusiasm? I'm just really bored with Roman Reigns being my universal, undisputed, World Wrestling Federation champion. Champion of the champions. Listen, Will. Will, after you, after you say all that, you got to remember, thank you for watching Disney+. Plus. Now get out there and make me some goddamn money. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, I... Paul... Paul E. Dangerously was a lot different than Paul Heyman. <laughs> Paul E. Dangerously was this loud mouth, um, suburban jerk. He pretty much was the anti-Jim Cornette. Like, they were polar opposites. They managed the exact same tag team, the Midnight Express. That's where Paul E. Dangerously debuted in the AWA with Dennis Condry, one half of the original Midnight Express. He called his tag team the original Midnight Express. Um, and you had Jim Cornette on the other side, the Southern boy. He had the tennis racket. Paul Lee had the phone. Um, he developed, he developed the dangerous Alliance. He had, uh, Rick or he had Rick Rude. He had Bobby Eaton. He had Arn Anderson, Larry Zabisco, um, Stone Cold or not Stone Cold, but stunning Steve Austin. Paulie dangerously then morphed over to W or ECW and became a promoter. Um, he stayed the Paul E. Dangerously character for a long time. And then he morphed into Paul Heyman later on the Paul Heyman character, jumping over to WWE, WWF. Um, with Brock Lesnar, he was a true solidified manager, even though you know he was the advocate or whatever else. He was the mouthpiece. Now he's morphed back. And as he's gotten older, he's morphed into something that you never thought Paul E. would be. He's there. He's holding a title. He's not talking all that much. When he does talk, it's kind of like um, Roosevelt. It's uh, carry a big stick. He's got that. Like he's got that part of the the part of that quote. Um, when he says something, it means something. It means something even more than what it did prior because he doesn't speak all that often. Um, he did it a little bit with CM Punk, and then later with Brock as Brock became the country boy. But now he's perfected it with Roman Reigns. People talk about Chris Jericho morphing throughout his entire career. Paul Heyman, Paulie Dangerously, has morphed throughout his entire career. And I'm not going to say he's number two. I think him and Cornette are neck and neck. I think what gives Heyman a little bit of an edge is his longevity in pro wrestling. If Cornette would have been able to not tell the jokes that he told on NWA TV, he might, he might still be that neck and neck number two conversation. Um. So, yeah, Paul Heyman, to me, is a brilliant manager, just like Bama's saying. Um, he's done a lot. The reason why I think Bobby Heenan's always going to be above him is because Bobby Heenan took guys like the Brooklyn Brawler, um, Terry Taylor, King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, and turned them all into main eventers, where Paul has always been with main eventers. Uh, TED Talk. <laughs> I think that... And yeah, Katie, because like, we have the same... <laughs> I love this version of Paul, although sometimes, like, I find it funny, like, him just, like, creeping in the background, like, holding on to that title for dear wife. Like, the memes. 
He's a minch on a bench. He is Call a minch it. on a bench. And the memes are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, like, he's just holding, holding on to those titles for dear life and it's precious. It's like, he's there, but he's not there. I think, like Bobby. Yeah. Uh, I agree with Bama. Uh, Heyman is one of the most brilliant wrestling minds on the planet. 100%. Um... Uh, I'll take Paul over Bobby on the mic too. And then uh, Paul Bearer was a key component and one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, The Undertaker. That's a huge thing to take away as well, Katie, is if you don't take if you don't think about The Undertaker having Paul Bearer early in his career to help him develop and stuff, that character had to have somebody and William Mooney was a legit Paul Bearer in real life before he became a wrestling manager. Uh, so I think that's it's crucial. The Undertaker wouldn't have been the same he was without without William Mooney, Percy Pringle, uh, Paul Bear. So you're you're absolutely right there. But to me, Paul Heyman represents he's the epitome of that like sleaze ball heel manager. Uh, he's got the ability to. Uh, I've said it before about him. He could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. You know, like. You know it. She knows it's going to make a mess. She's going to be angry about it, but it's still not going to matter. He's going to convince her that's what she needs, and that's the kind of person Paul Heyman is. Um, he is the kind of guy that can read a crowd. One of the biggest things anybody I've ever talked to about, um, one of the biggest things I've talked to is when people say they've met him. Like, he's a sponge. He'll look at you and he'll go, this is what you need to do. These are the things you need to work on. This is what I would do if I was you. Like he's got the ability to like to grow and you know endorse and prosper and help young guys. Like Paul Heyman does so much for the business beyond just being a manager and a wrestler and a personality and a booker and a promoter. So that's it. Yeah, and I yeah, I think even like, you know, him being in the background, it's a little bit like Paul Bearer is he does the facials mm-hmm. like Paul Bearer would. As Taker would, you know, say his few words, I think that Paulie Dangerously, Paul Heyman, he does make those facials like Paul Bearer does, um, that Paul Bearer did, that, and that gets his guys over. Um, I think the fact that he's able to step back and be the second guy is impressive because, again, that's Bobby Heenan level because if you look at Cornette, Cornette was usually the mouthpiece of all his guys. Like he was the speaker. Like he was, he was the you know starring act of it. Um, you know, people would be, you know, you challenge people: are they more mad at Cornette or are they more mad at Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton, or Stan Lane uh, with the Midnight Express? So, yeah, Payman does have that ability to put his guys over, um, and he knows when he should talk and when he shouldn't. When he was first with Roman, he spoke a lot, and then now that Roman's learned how to talk, he's backing off. Um, you'd say the same thing when he was with CM Punk. He knew his role was not the talker. And he would stand there with the belt and make the facials. So I guess now that I'm actually saying this stuff out loud, maybe Heyman is number two. <gasps> and Cornette is a very close number three. That's what I said. I put him as a very close three, but I think Heyman may have taken that number two spot. All right, guys. Uh, we did all the damage we're going to do for a night. Uh, what are your closing thoughts on managers and wrestling? Um, let's just go ahead and throw it out there as the closing. 
Uh, Bobby, you said your top manager of all time. Bobby the Brain, Paul Heyman, Jim Cornette, one, two, three. Allison, what are yours? Um, well, I'm going to say it's only Paul Heyman just because he's really the only one I've super been exposed to. Um, like, the other ones are great, but, like, I haven't watched enough to make an opinion other than Paul Heyman. So. Watch. So, your homework, Allison. One, watch WrestleMania 3. I have. Because Bobby Heenan comes out, I think, like three or four times. Right, right, right. Two. So, like, I've seen bits, but I haven't seen, like, the longevity. Like, I haven't seen, like, all these years worth of matches to make, like, an actual, like... This is this, blah, 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 like, of all time. Like, I just, there's not a way for me to do that at this point. So, two, two is, listen, watch the Royal Rumble 1992 and just listen to Bobby Heenan's commentary. Okay. Because those those two events, WrestleMania three and the Royal Rumble 1992 alone, will make you appreciate Bobby Heenan so much more than what you might already uh, appreciate him as. We are actually watching through all of the rumbles right now. So I will definitely do that. Well, good. I've yeah. seen them all. I'm watching them all again for fun. Guys, Fun-sy. plug your stuff. Bobby, where can they find you? Where's the LSU guy at? What's he got going on? Well, you can find me on TikTok because I am not banned this week like other people for being a bully because I'm very nice on TikTok to everybody that I talk to. <laughs> I love Russell Talk. I love all you guys on there and all you ladies on there. I will always support you guys on TikTok as the yellow shoe guy. Um, if that's not deep enough, I still have my head just above the uh, level. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, yellow shoe guy, Twitch as well, yellow shoe guy. Um, I do have my open accounting uh, page as well. So you guys can follow me in all those type of places. Uh, if you want to go in the metaverse, I'm yellow shoe guy on there too. Uh, so, yeah, come on around. I'm gambling on Metaverse. I go to Horizon Worlds every now and then. But, yeah, if you want to talk something or you want to get insulted, if you want to be uh, possibly – Yeah, if, if you possibly if you possibly want to disagree with what you're speaking to, then follow Yellow Shoe Guy. Just Google my name. You'll see me somewhere. But, again, I promise you I will never bully you. That's not true. Miss Siegel, plug your stuff. Tell them where to find you. You can find me in all the places as just a girl 918. Um, I'm at 452 TikTok followers. I'm almost to that 1,000 so that I can go on live with these two buffoons and make sure that nobody gets banned anymore. Huh. What, Bobby? Only live, only live with one of these buffoons in the next 24 hours. Shut up, Bobby. True. Lord. Um, I say the same thing every week. I'm going to do a heel support group comic. I'm really going to do it this time. I've really got to get back into the swing of that. Um, if y'all want to help me with the heel support group comic, uh, send me, slide to those DMs and give me your ideas. Um, the characters that we have are our new character, which I've yet to... Um, bring out which is kind of funny for now is we have an attitude error mr mcmahon joining the crew of charlotte 
and Theory and MJF, Roman and Seth Rollins. Who else do we have? We also have a Jim Cornette and uh, Ric Flair. We just got oh, Flair. we just got Ric Flair for our stuff. Um, who else? Who am I missing? The Rock. The Rock. That's it. That's um, an easy one. Have... What? That's an easy one to forget. Um, we have Becky, but she got kicked out of the group because she's not a heel anymore. So she's not allowed to be in the group. That's, Seth's about to be out of the group. Seth's yeah. about to be out of the group, but he's not really because the comics literally called the heel support group with Max and Colby. So <laughs> so we're not we're not going to write Seth off? We're not going to write Seth off. Um, but yeah, um, follow me in the places and yeah. That's, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else important, and I got nothing, so, yeah. Well, good job, guys. I've got some shout-outs this week, as I always do. You need to follow Katie Kinsey. Katie Kinsey, baby. Katie Wrestling 13. Baby. Baby. It's all about the boom. Um, follow Marie Shadows. Follow Bemmer Chatter. Follow Ravage Dragon. Follow Smackin' It Raw. That's M-A-T-T-R-I-D-D-E-R. Matt Ritter, who's the host of the number one podcast on Pornhub, Smackin' It Raw. Uh, you need to follow SES Vince. He's Vincent Daddy Delgado. Um, you need to follow Self Bet Wrestling. You need to follow Dad Hat Wrestling. The Dad Trainer, Justin Bundy. Wrestling Fan for Life, Bree Stout, Husky Rhodes, 912, Jay Knows Wrestling, Brian's House of Fandom, and Dad 316. You should follow all my friends. But. Now as we close another episode of Botch Bots and Share Shots, I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. Remind you to go wherever you do anything on the internet and like, subscribe, follow, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling me how great I am or how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm. It helps find new listeners. If you're feeling really generous and be one of the VIP people, head over to Rivet City Radio and donate to the Rivet City Radio Podcast Network on Patreon.com. You get some fantastic swag. We get some fantastic guests. It's a win-win. For the yellow shoe guy, for the boss bitch Miss Allison Siegel, I am the Will Gray. Follow the Twitch account. Follow the Twitch account, Rivet City Radio. That's kind of important. Kind of. Right now, yeah, we got to get this going. Um, <laughs> but thanks for stopping by and listening, my people.